Welcome to the Irish Legislation Podcast with me, Barry Ward, a podcast looking at legislation as it passes through Oireachtas Air in our National Parliament. Hello and thanks for downloading the fourth episode of the Irish Legislation Podcast with me, Barry Ward. This week we're looking at the Commission of Investigation, Mother and Baby Homes and Certain Related Matters, Records and Another Matter Bill 2020. It's a long title but a short bill. There are only eight sections and it deals with the conclusion of the Murphy Commission, which was a commission set up by Taoiseach Enda Kenny, uh, chaired by retired Judge Yvonne Murphy, to look into the terrible wrongs that were done against all kinds of people, particularly women and children, in mother and baby homes and other institutions throughout the state. The commission is winding up at the end of this month, and that brings certain problems, and this bill is designed to deal with them. But it has been a very controversial bill, and it hasn't finished its passage yet through the Houses of the Oireachtas. We're recording today, Thursday, the 22nd of October, uh, in the evening, and it will conclude presumably, in the Shannon tomorrow afternoon. But with me today are four people who know what they're talking about when it comes to this bill. Uh, firstly, I'm delighted to welcome Dr. Maeve O'Rourke, who is an academic and probably the foremost commentator on these issues and very much an authority on the subject. Uh, Deputy Kathleen Funchen from Sinn Féin, who is the TD for Carlo Kilkenny. Senator Pauline O'Reilly of the Green Party from Galway East and Senator Mary Siri Carney of Fine Gael from Dublin South Central. So I'm going to go to uh, Dr. Maeve O'Rourke first, who is a lecturer in human rights in the Irish Centre for Human Rights in uh, the National University of Ireland, Galway, and also co-director of the Voluntary Clan Project. Uh, Maeve, as I've said already, you're one of the authoritative commentators on this. Could you give us just a bit of a background as to what happened in the mother and baby homes around the country and, and what the issues are from that? Sure. Um, so the commission, of course, that's investigating is investigating 18 institutions, that is 14 mother and baby homes and what it calls a representative sample of county homes, that's four county homes, so 18 altogether. Now, I should say um, that the CLAN project, which is a voluntary collaboration between Justice for Magdalene's Research Adoption Rights Alliance and the global law firm Hope and Lovell submitted a list of over 180 institutions, individuals and agencies that were involved in separating unmarried mothers and their children during the 20th century. So the commission is investigating a hugely important part, but actually only a part of the system of coercive and forced family separation during the 20th century. Um, it was set up in 2015. I mean, it had been well known to so many people and indeed when I was campaigning in relation to the Magdalene laundries we were always very conscious that and that was back before 2015 that there was this huge issue that required investigation um, and that was uh, the incarceration it really does appear to have been unlawful detention in mother and baby homes um, uh, for a lot of women uh, and county homes the same and um, the state had no allowance for unmarried mothers until the mid 1970s and appears to have funded instead uh, detention in institutions and then um, invariably women who were in mother and baby homes gave up their children. And of course, the very fact of being detained means that it wasn't a voluntary transaction, so to speak. Um, and so... Many forced adoptions happened 
as a result of detention in mother and baby homes. So many people will have seen the film Philomena, for example. Um, and other abuses happened in mother and baby homes, such as forced labour, um, medical neglect, general forms of exploitation and degradation. I'm sure that what comes out in the Mother and Baby Homes Commission report will be extremely upsetting. Um, and we are talking here with the most serious of human rights and constitutional law um, violations. And, and then, of course, there were well. deaths. And criminal violations as well. Oh, absolutely. I think the crimes were committed on a systematic scale here. And unfortunately, uh, the reason the commission is so important for so many people is because there really hasn't been accountability. We haven't seen criminal prosecutions. People haven't generally been able to get to court because we have a very strict statute of limitations because of our costs regime. And crucially, which brings us to what's happening this week and last because without the evidence of how the system operated and without your own documents, you cannot effectively litigate. So, you, I mean, the access to records is obviously a major issue, but also cause of huge hurt to the, the victims of these homes. Isn't that right? What is the status of that information or what are we talking about in terms of that information? Well, so, for example, um, you know, what people are looking for would be everything to do with their experience. But what kind of documents so, are we talking about? Birth uh, certificates, I mean, records? Yeah, so like it depends on, on the person. So an adopted person um, might want their entire early life file from the time they were born uh, through their adoption. A mother might want, of course, her own medical records, the records of the early life of her child, the separation between her and her child, relatives of babies or women who died and whose graves are unmarked want to know if there is that information available, the location and not just the location of their relative, but also the circumstances of their life and death. And then um, in my view, having worked with so many people directly affected, particularly you'll see this around, say, vaccine trials, people actually want to see the administrative files of the system, how the system was run. They want to see the state files. They want to see the inspection records, the financial records, the correspondences. Like, for example, the Department of Foreign Affairs works very effectively with the National Archives of Ireland. So it's one of the only government departments that regularly deposits. And there are absolutely fascinating and very worrying, but very useful you know, knowledge-wise, um, correspondences in the uh, Royal Irish Academy's collection of um, foreign affairs papers that show Irish officials arranging passports for illegal uh, adoptions. international adoptions while saying, oh, we don't support this. And we know there's a lot of concern. We're only issuing the passports. We're not supporting the adoptions. Mm -hmm. Well, in terms of how the, the bill has gone through, I mean, obviously there have been a lot of speeches about exactly those issues. The minister has said, though, that this bill doesn't deal with those issues. This bill is only about safeguarding the database that the Murphy Commission put together of all of those documents. So what do you say is wrong with the bill as it's currently constituted? Well, in a nutshell, the problem is that the bill doesn't deal with the fact that people haven't been able to get their access to records. So it jumped to attention, like the Oireachtas has jumped to attention uh, to solve one problem. 
and it has then failed to use the opportunity to solve an enormous problem, staring it in the face since this commission began. So what seems to have happened is, well, we know what happened is the commission contacted the government to say, our final report is due at the end of October, even though the existing 2004 Commissions of Investigation Act requires us to transfer everything to you at the end, we actually don't feel we can. We gathered together records of mothers and babies, we created this database, and we think we have to destroy it unless you give us new legislation. So the minister's in a very difficult position, I accept that. No one wants the commission destroying, and I and others don't have the resources to take any kind of injunction should we find out that was happening. So, of course, you know, he has to um, react. But like another huge part of this legislation was that it puts part of the commission's archive that it's gathered with Tuzla. Now, in all of the briefings for the past month, and unfortunately, it has only been a month since we've even known what was coming. And then we actually saw the bill last week all of the briefings, blase as anything, it was stated. Some of these records are going to Tuzla. Everything else is going to be sealed for the next 30 years in the minister's department. And that is the problem. That is actually unlawful. EU law precludes it. But it was being stated again and again and again. We have seen the Commission Act, I believe, unlawfully by refusing point blank to give anyone their personal data. So I believe the the officials mean it when they say we are not opening these boxes for the next 30 years. So I believe because the minister was bringing a bill in, jumping to attention for the commission, he should have jumped to attention to clarify for the avoidance of doubt for everybody who thinks otherwise. People who suffered family separation have a fundamental right to their personal data. And I, my my department is going to implement that in accordance with EU law. So that's what we were looking for, that he would confirm that GDPR applies to the Commission's archive, including when he receives it. I also think he could have taken the opportunity to say right now in this bill, pretty easy. We're not sealing for another 30 years all the state records that the Commission gathered. We have a national archives. Actually, these are copies of things that should already be in the national archives, so we're unsealing them too. And he could have done that in this legislation, but chose to do none of those things. So we're still in a position where all the policy statements are that as soon as the minister gets the archive, it's sealed entirely, including from survivors themselves for 30 years. Can I bring you in, Kathleen? Kathleen Function TD, who is the Sinn Féin spokesperson on children, youth, disability, equality and integration. Kathleen, Sinn Féin has vehemently opposed this bill and you led the charge against it in the Dáil. Um, I saw you nodding along to what Maeve was saying there. Um, do, do you agree with everything or, or is there more to it than, than what she said? Oh, I think she's she's articulated the argument excellently. And in fairness, um, we've been delighted to have her her help and advice and support on this over the last few weeks. It was very rushed. And regardless of what anybody thinks about any piece of legislation, it is not good to rush legislation. And it's always open to mistakes and errors. And we were appealing as well to the minister to kind of put, as I described, put the brakes on it and and do the right thing and look at the other issues. You know, it, it does say in the 2004 Act that all of the documents will be, you know, brought back to the specified minister, which is obviously the children's minister in this situation. Um, so I, I don't know where the argument was coming from that, you know, the commission felt that they might have to start redacting um, 
certain documents and certain reports. But if he really felt that that was the case and he wanted to deal with it, then he also needed to deal with the 30 years. And this was the perfect opportunity. And it also would have shown real action um, to survivors and to their families and to people who have gone through like it's just horrific stuff. I mean, I'm sure you've read the the testimonies, and I'm sure you. I mean, everybody knows, uh, maybe a family member or a friend or somebody that's either gone through that system or knows somebody that's gone through the system. And I just can never. I don't know how the women got through it. I really don't. And particularly the story, the childbirth, and like, I have two kids myself. I often think, oh my god, how nerve wracking and scary and horrible was that to be in that situation with no help, with no support, and then someone just ripping your baby away. I just don't know how how you would come through that. And the very least the people deserve who have gone through that is, you know, justice. And they, they deserve their records. They deserve to know who they are and, and all the stuff around identity. There's even basic things around medical records. And I think it was a really... Missed opportunity doesn't even go far enough, but it was a massive mistake. And I think, in fairness, the minister should have actually... Uh, ground a halt to this when he saw the amount of feedback that, that was coming in and, and given the time and spoken to survivors. Can I ask you two things about that then? Firstly, I mean, the urgency, I think we can all agree that it's undesirable to rush legislation through and this has been rushed. There's no two ways about it. Um, but can you understand that there is a time limit given that the commission is due to conclude at the end of this month? Isn't that right? It is, but actually one of the amendments that the government, that the minister brought forward was that the commission now will not be dissolved until the 28th of February because he said after he heard the debate in the Shannage that he wanted to give the commission the opportunity to write to people to see if they wanted their, you know, to, to have anonymity. And I totally understand that. But if that's the case and the commission is going to stand until the 28th of February, surely that was a perfect opportunity to take that time and look at how we could have amended the 2004 Act in order not to seal the records. And yeah. it's, it's I, I what I always find is, you know, if something has to be done, it's about political will. You know, they'll say, well, we have to get this through. We have to rush it through. But then when you're looking for something, you know, like the records not to be sealed and like the stuff not to be transferred to us, it's like, oh, no, hang on now. We need to think about that. We need to give it time. You know, it's, there seems to be, you know, kind of two two different approaches. And the, the issue around Tusla is a, you know, it's it, people really have a lot of distrust, and they feel that they've been let down um, trying to access records. But do you agree, Kathleen, that that is? I mean, obviously, you're saying it's a missed opportunity, and that's one thing. But you would agree that this bill doesn't seal any records. It doesn't, but I think it compounds the issue because it doesn't deal with the sealing of the records. And in in one way, you're you're actually you're kind of you know you're reopening that wound, and you're basically saying yes. They're, they're, we're confirming that they are going to be sealed and we're also even worse confirming that right now we're not willing to do anything about it yet the commission say well you know jump and we say okay no problem I mean I can understand why the commission looked for um extra time from t- from time to time and it was very very frustrating and I was first to point out whenever there was delays but if they were able to look for delays I don't understand why the minister particularly now when he's saying the commission won't be dissolved till the 28th of February couldn't have taken that time to ensure that the records the sealing of the records issue was dealt with and I think it would have demonstrated real action there's no point in telling people that they've been let down for years I mean people are 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 elderly at this stage there's no point in telling them overlooking oh, at it 
you know, is, can, can I ask you about just briefly in terms of the, the, the evidence that was given and the testimony and, and any other documents that people who engaged in that evidence giving to the commission, some or, or many of them were given an undertaking that when they gave that evidence, it wouldn't be released for a period of time. Do you think that, I mean, there's obviously a balancing of rights between the rights of people to know their background and then the rights of people to confidentiality. Do you think that those people, that that undertaking shouldn't be kept or we should break that promise? Well, as I understand it, they weren't told that the that the, it would be confidential for a certain period of time. I think people were given the choice whether they wanted to remain totally confidential and anonymous or have their their details kind of published. I don't think anyone was told well, they'll be confidential for X amount of years, as I understand it. Um, you know, if, if an undertaking was given for confidentiality, of course, that would have to be respected. But it doesn't mean that people, there's an, a huge amount of people that didn't give that and who want their story told. And also, it but they can still tell their story, can't they? They can't have their transcript. No, but I mean, if if there's a witness, Maeve, who, or somebody who has a story to tell, there's nothing to stop them making that story public. Isn't that true? Sorry, they don't have access to the transcript. So the commission asked them to reveal over hours for a lot of them, mm. the most deeply personal issues and is refusing them a copy of their own transcript of evidence so like you know the gdpr is the thing people aren't seeing here everybody has the right to control over their own data yes some people can ask for it to be destroyed entirely if they wish that's fine because the gdpr gives you all these rights but like to not give people a copy of their own evidence is yeah. totally unjustified and and the ceiling goes way beyond testimony it's every single document that came from the state and mm. the institutions and we're not talking about that can i bring pauline can i bring pauline o'reilly in on that pauline uh, you're a green center and leader of the greens in the shannon um and obviously minister o'gorman who's responsible for this is a green party minister as well do you agree with the criticisms that have been made of the of the bill there I think the first thing to say is that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in Galway and um, and I've been contacted by a, a lot of friends on this issue and it touches most families in Ireland, really. Um, uh, and it's deeply upsetting and hard to talk about without shivers down your spine when you're talking about the level of abuse and um, and incarceration, really, of particularly women. And, uh, and that, that issue over how how we as a country look at uh, one parent families continues uh, and it's continued for many years when you look at um, the the, the um, low levels of uh, I suppose income support and so on and so forth so that's the first thing and I, and I did practice as a family law solicitor in the past and I, I've seen issues firsthand of how one parent families are treated um, and what I would say is that you know the minister didn't have to bring forward this bill. That That's completely correct. And if the minister didn't bring forward this bill, um, the situation would be worse in terms of what availability people will have to their records. And I'm not saying that this is a perfect solution. If you look at the past, you know, at the past um, um, government bringing in legislation on information and, and tracing didn't happen. So we, we effectively don't have legislation on that. But this bill is an emergency. And, um, and, and I take the point that, that um, Deputy Function is saying that if you can extend it um, in the bill, then why not extend it now? But 
it required legislation in order to extend it. That's the point. The point is the government and the commission are two entirely separate things. And if we were the same thing and if we were able to say, um, you know, extend it, we're asking you to extend it and they would do that willingly, that would be great. But that's not the case. And the case is, and it's been stated there by Maeve, um, is that the problem is that they contacted the government, said what we've actually done is do something. So they they have powers that ordinary survivors do not have, which is stunning and shocking in the circumstances. They have powers to extract biological data of women and children who were incarcerated that ordinary people don't have. And they did that. As part of their work, they did that. And they told the government, we've created a a database, a table that says who was in what home, what date they went in, what date they gave birth, what the name of their children is, what home they were in, what date they came out, if they came out, what date their children came out, if they came out. And also they cross-referenced and found if people have siblings. But this is information people have been waiting for for years. And if you're faced with all of that data and what, what, what they said was, we're going to redact, which base, basically means we're going to get a black pen and you won't be able to see. And, and you know, in, in family law cases, it happens all of the time that things are redacted. It basically means that you mark out everybody's name, everywhere they were, their dates, the names of their children, the siblings, take it out of that document so you've now got a spreadsheet with no names, nothing on it. Effectively, you're sending a blank, a blank database to the government, to the minister. And right. that, that no, no, hold on a second. So that's what they said that they would do. And that and that's a practicality. It's not an academic issue. I know, but that's not the only thing he did. It's great that he saved that database and one, like that I'm not complaining about. That's not the only thing he did with this legislation. He sent a load of it to Tuzla, which is the one thing the very people set up to advise him said not to do. And the other thing he did, which actually I think makes matters worse, is that he has effectively for the last month instructed his officials that when they get the copy of the archive, they are not to open the boxes. He has made unlawful policy statements for an entire month. There is no right of access. Can I come in on that? Because, you know, I think the important thing for people to realise about the law is there's differences of opinion. That's why lawyers make money. Unfortunately, you've got lawyers on each side. And the government are obliged to listen to the attorney general who is advising the government that 2004 legislation applies. And I take your point, Maeve, I really genuinely do. Yeah, yeah it's a really serious that GDPR, that, that there's GDPR, um, you know, may overrule that. And so as a result of, of that, we, we can't change the legislation to go against what the attorney general and our lawyers are saying. The, the Attorney General seems to be the only person. Well, that, can I, well, Mary Siri Kearney is on the call. And Mary, you're a practicing barrister as well as a senator. And I think you have some expertise, particularly in data law or data protection law. Would that be fair? Can you inform us on what the, your view on that is? Um, I think I, I need to preface my remarks before you say anything here in acknowledging the absolute that no matter what was going to happen here, it was going to be traumatic for all of the survivors and their families. So no matter what happened, I uh, GDPR isn't it's it's purpose for a start was to enable people and empower people with regard to their data and with regard to their rights. However, that isn't an unlimited power that people have, it has to be subjected or there's a balancing of other rights and other needs in the state. 
And in the implementation and under Article 23 of GDPR, there is that of there have to be other rights and other 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 purposes in the public interest. So I suppose what, what is very hard about this piece of legislation is that it is the survivors, their horrific stories and the report that's going to come out that is really going to challenge our entire society, and rightly so. And that meeting, the cold, hard necessities of any state being able to run a commission of inquiry into the future and into the past, and whether it's fitness for purpose of the 2004 Act um, in given our changing culture and our changing society between 2004 and now, whether we now need to review that, yes, we do going forward. I think I hear that uh, and I hear a willingness in government to do that. But we are in a situation where at the time of the establishment of this Commission of Inquiry, there was a piece of legislation already there that was for any Commission of Inquiry. Not this particular one, but for any. It set up the guidelines and the architecture for any commission of inquiry. That's and the 2004 it, Act. That's the 2004 Act. And this commission of inquiry was run under the uh, instructions of that 2004 Act. It had an interesting additional dimension, and that additional dimension was to have a confidential committee. And it is that confidential committee where, so in a normal, in the normal commission of inquiry, the information that is supplied by witnesses before the commission, it, it has the has it can be summoned, can be uh, there under subpoena, and it also can be cross-examined. The uh, 2015 statutory instrument that governed this, um, well, this commission of inquiry, also provided for a confidential committee. And in that confidential committee, people could come forward and tell the, the entirety of whatever they wanted to say and they wanted to, to make sure was, uh, was heard by the commission. It wasn't challenged and it wasn't cross-examined. But the instructions to the commission under, the, um, under the, the terms of reference was that at the end of that, they, that information was to provide a generalised report. And it is the, the filling out of and the confirmation of and also to gather the horrific experiences that perhaps people wouldn't tell under cross-examination or that, you know, that, that wouldn't be reasonable for it to be tested in the adversarial nature of a normal uh, in the way the cross-examination and examination in chief works. And what do you say to what, what Mavis said about this being a missed opportunity on the part of the Actually, government? I don't know, Barry, if Sorry. I could just maybe make some other points, because then maybe it'd be helpful, like more constructive if I just raise okay. some issues and then you can respond, because I suppose I'm really interested in this issue of the GDPR. My understanding and the, the clear reading of Article 23 is that it does not permit blanket restrictions of the right of access under Article 15. And that is what we're seeing the minister say he is going to do. He literally will not be able to open his boxes for 30 years. And even as that was incorporated into Section 39, as amended in 2018 of our 2004 Commissions of Investigation Act, it was not a blanket restriction. It said the Article 15 right of access is restricted to the extent necessary and proportionate to enable the effective functioning of a commission and the future cooperation of witnesses, which is exactly what you're saying. Um, and, and I haven't heard any justification for why it would encourage anyone to cooperate in future if they're not, if they actually 
what is being investigated is their denial of identity and forced family separation. And they're not going to be given a copy of the evidence that is being held on them that they have not ever seen. And if they're going to have to repeat, give evidence, not get a transcript, and then have to repeat it again for their family history, for the national record in due course. So that's not being explained. And then the idea that we can't change the application of the 2004 Act, that it's set in stone, that is exactly what this bill is doing with regard to the records it is sending to TUSLA. So how can you claim, on the one hand, everything has to be sealed, so to speak, and on the other hand, in this bill, send some of it to TUSLA, and finally, the Confidential Committee. Actually, the only thing advertised on the website of the commission ever was an invitation to give evidence to the confidential committee. And we know, we've heard from Noelle Brown on the radio, on podcasts recently, she was given no choice. I know many people who were given no choice. Philomena Lee was denied a public hearing. The commission told Conal Fahar to the examiner that they denied all people who, all the women who requested a public hearing were denied. And imagine the snowball effect that could have had. So I really feel this commission didn't do what it should have done, what it could have done. Section 12 of the 2004 Act actually says it has to give every witness the material it holds that could be useful to them as a witness. So I think it made mistakes and I don't think the government should be compounding them now. Okay. Do, yeah, yeah Pauline, and I want to go back. I also want to let Kathleen in because I know that she's the doll is still sitting and she's right. under pressure. You know, just for a, a couple of, the, I suppose the important thing to realise that, and I think we've spoken about this, Maeve, is that if GDPR applies, GDPR still applies after this bill. That first litigation. No, no absolutely. And and he, but here's the here's the important point. It still applies, right? Whether or not this bill passes, but the difficulty is if this bill doesn't pass. It, it becomes moot if we actually have law yeah. data, right? That's the first thing. I, I, and so and, and on the on the GDPR, what you'll have heard the, the minister say in the door last night is that he's asked the Joint Oireachtas Committee on Children to examine the issue of the GDPR. So that issue that, that, that issue that you're bringing up is very valid, but and it is something that is going to be examined. But the time is actually against us on saying yeah. the data. So that's I know, and I just felt it would have been a quick amendment to say, I know, I know. doubt the GDPR applies. Well, uh, that's not Mary, Mary, can I bring Mary Siri Carney back in on that, Mary? This, this can't be done quickly. I, I agree that we need to address the, uh, well, well, actually, even before that, let's say we haven't seen the report yet. Mm. The report allegedly is going to have exactly what was said, but anonymised. It is going to have the transcripts within the report. It is going to, and that people will be able to see verbatim what they give. Allegedly, that's what the report is, but we haven't seen the report yet. So I think it, we are we are being a, a, a little bit early in our criticism until such time as we see the report. You know, the 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 judge at the head of this was not someone who was inexperienced. She had been there, done that before, and I I have confidence in her in how she carried it out, uh, and that she carried out to the to the requirements and with a, a view to what the outcome of this of this commission uh, was going to be so traumatic and also so challenging in how we as a state uh, handle that how, how where we go and what we go next whether it gets before the courts whether there are going to be criminal prosecutions and all of those things I very much hope happen um, but the idea of suddenly at the end of an inquiry deciding, that the rules of the 2004 now suddenly we're going to disapply those when the inquiry was run under the 2004 Act, whether we like that or not, it happened. 
And we are where we are now. And now we need a longer period of time. And that's going to happen under the auspices of the Joint Oroxis Committee. And now we need a longer period of time to in which to bring in everybody and try to reach a resolution whereby we can ensure that people have access to all of the information that they can get. Maeve, I saw you shaking your head there when Mary was saying that. I'm wondering, do you accept that if the 2004 Act were amended to remove the provisions in Section 43 relating to the sealing of documents under the National Archives Act for 30 years? You mean 41, I think. Um, sorry, I'm looking at the wrong section. Absolutely, 41. The, I think it only relates to departmental records. Yes, it does. Yeah, I think you, I think that's the case. But do you think that that might have an impact on future commissions taking evidence from people who then don't have that guarantee? Well, like the bill on, so to speak, seal unseals the stuff that's going to Tuzla. So they've clearly decided that that's okay. And what we are saying is that. Well, when a minister gets the archive, why can they not legislate to make sure that he gives access to all personal data in his archive? Because he's going to have things that didn't go to Tuzla. Uh, yeah. Well, they even can. If there's duplicates, Tuzla has a very long waiting list and operates very strange interpretations of the GDPR. He can't avoid EU law. I take the point the 2004 Act said something, but EU law has come in in the meantime. So I don't really accept it because it does it's it does need to be decided in relation to what the evidence that people are seeking actually is. And then, I mean, I'm not a massive fan of the 2004 Act because it says, like, everything gathered can never be used in civil or criminal proceedings. It um, says, you know, uh, there's a criminal provision. I mean, we've ended up with this ceiling because it gives so much discretion to the commission. So I, it was the High Court cases, actually, of 2009-10 with the relatives of the Dublin Monaghan bombing victims who were seeking transcripts of an archive that had been gathered by the McEntee Commission. That's what established sealing. In fact, I don't see 30 years in that, but uh, um, like that's a problem. I still actually believe that Section 12 of the 2004 Act required the Commission really to give all the witnesses the information they needed as it's, witnesses. It sounds then so like I can't decide. I would like a new Act. I'd like us yeah. to look at the English Inquiries Act. And I do not accept that we could not change through legislation, which we are doing in relation to the Tulsa Files, the application of the 2004 Act to this particular Commission of Investigation in particular respects. So if you, you're saying that we couldn't have changed the 2004 Act? We are doing so in this bill yes. in relation to this archive. So I don't but, see why we can't do in relation okay. to it, like other parts of it. It's the, it is illogical for the minister to say, on the one hand, I'm legislating to send a load of stuff gathered in private to Tuzla for it to operate the GDPR. And on the other hand, there's nothing I can do about the 2004 Act. But the, the definition, the, the information that is in the database wasn't covered by the 2004 Act. That's why we had a lacuna that needs to be dealt with in this piece of legislation. Sending records that didn't even come from Tuzla to Tuzla that underpin the database. Is the difficulty with Tuzla or the records? I mean, or the, the way that the records operate? I mean, I know people have misgivings about Tuzla and we won't get into that. But is it the fact that they're going to Tuzla rather than, or the Child and Family Agency, as it should properly be called, rather than... The, the the I suppose the the restricted access to those records. It's both, right? So the collaborative forum that Minister Catherine Zappone set up explicitly for people with experience of mother and baby homes and adoption to advise the government on what to do in relation to mother and baby homes and adoption explicitly recommended repeatedly that Tulsa should have nothing more to do with information and tracing. And actually their report 
was not published because the Attorney General said it couldn't be. And so now it's not in the public domain and this bill seemingly ignores it. I understand that the Adoption Authority of Ireland could have taken the files. My issue, though, um, is that also the minister will have a copy and he is subject to EU law. And I've seen the effect on people when they applied to the commission for all personal data that it held on them. And it responded and said, yes, we have all this data on you and gave indications, gave gave bullet points of everything they had and said, but we're blanket restricted from giving it to you because it's in the interest of our commission and the future cooperation of witnesses that we do not give you what we have on you. And that feels the future cooperation of witnesses has a copy. It's wrong not to give it to people. That, and that is, I suppose, is, would you agree that that is another argument because the future viability of commissions is also an important consideration and but there is a weighing up of two sets of, of competing rights. Only necessary and proportionate to achieve this. And we have not seen the justification of why it is necessary and proportionate to deny victims of forced family separation their own personal and family data and a transcript of what they said. Pauline, did you want to come back again on that? Yeah, just to come in to just say, I suppose, that to go back to the bill, you know, this bill doesn't seal anything. It it, it literally does not seal anything. It doesn't say anything. I'm and hearing all the officials and the minister saying he's going to, and he didn't use No, the but Maeve, I, yeah, I'm sorry, Pauline. I understood that you agreed that the bill itself doesn't seal anything, that there are other provisions there and the officials may say it, but there's nothing in the bill but that sure, actually seals anything. That's what I've documents. been saying all along. I never said the bill sealed. I said the bill does not take an extremely yeah. vital opportunity to correct these unlawful policy statements. It's a missed but opportunity. I think that the yeah. AG disagrees and seems to think you can blanket restrict Article 15 of the GDPR. I think he is completely wrong. And I think we have now pushed and are going to push survivors into litigation and it is unacceptable. Yeah. Pauline, I'm sorry I cut you off there. Yeah, no, just to just to say, and it wasn't. I wasn't um, saying that you were saying it was sealing it, me. But I'm just saying it for clarity for people. This bill doesn't seal anything. It, it, yeah, it but I think the minister caused the problem by saying, uh, by the way, everything I receive is going to be sealed for 30 years. Well, even even if that's even if that's the case, that's his interpretation of other law. But this bill itself doesn't do that. Yeah. So this so this bill doesn't do it. So so the question really for us and we're legislators, we look at this bill. Yeah, but you hear the officials, you hear them say we're going to seal it. They are not going to open the boxes. So you have the opportunity. It's very special opportunity. You're in the doll. You're in the Shannon. You're you've got a particular position where you can actually direct officials to follow EU law. And it wasn't taken. And now we can envisage you can't say you didn't know when people start to get the letters from the Department of Children saying, hello, yes, we have these 10 fields of data on you. And no, you may not have any of it because it's sealed for the next 30 years. But can you, I ask you, Mary? You I mean, didn't know that was going to happen. Yeah, Maeve very referenced this earlier about the European legal dimension into this. It is possible for families, and, and Maeve said they're being pushed into litigation, but it is possible to the, for them to litigate to get that information, isn't it? Well, how possible well, is it just, to litigate? Well, I'm just going to ask Mary that. How possible? Mm. Yes, the, the proportionality is something that can be challenged. There's no doubt about that. The the two, the restriction is is being seen in Article 23. The right is in Article 15. So the, the balancing and the proportionality of those two articles is what is engaged here. And the blanket nature of it, actually. If I may finish, Maeve, please. The legis- as legislators, we don't have the luxury of just listening to one cohort. We can't do that. 
as much as we would want to, as much as we are moved, as much as we are absolutely devastated. I have sat and wept with people who are survivors. My own, my own wider sphere is not untouched by this. But we don't have the luxury of merely legislating for one cohort. We have got to consider future commissions of inquiry. We've got to consider the wider balancing of our entire society. We've got to consider I that. haven't heard justification, though, that hasn't been argued. Why but, is the balance such that it is Maeve, justified not to give survivors can, room personal data? Can, can I ask you a question to conclude, if that's OK? Um, do you do you accept that if, if the rules are changed, essentially, to, in terms of this kind of, of material, that it does potentially jeopardise future commissions? Or no, do you not? Absolutely no, absolutely not. Okay. And I think it would be worth needing to redraft. Like, I, I, I absolutely do not. This could not be a more serious human rights. Uh, violations and people have been waiting decades for personal information like we had a burials report from the commission last year and everybody's crying and it's all in the news and and the general public is so sad but actually the people affected don't have their personal data so what could be more important what Okay, well, I, I don't know if we can answer that question on this podcast since none of us is making that decision ultimately. But um, Dr. Maeve um, O'Rourke, thank you very much for joining us. I really appreciate your time. And Senator Mary Siri Carney also, and Barrister, thanks to you, and, and Senator Pauline O'Reilly, the leader of the Greens in the Shannon. I'm also very grateful to Deputy Kathleen Funchen, who had to leave because I know the doll is actually still sitting on Thursday night. So I think she had commitments there. But I'm very grateful to you all for discussing the uh, Mother and Baby Homes um, Commission bill I'm going to call it because it's a, it's a bit of a mouthful the way because it does a lot of little things um, but perhaps as you have said it doesn't do what we'd all like it to do um, and that's just the reality of the situation um, but that that's the fourth episode of, of this podcast please do join us again for the fifth episode we're taking a break next week because the House of the Oireachtas aren't sitting um, for a week um, but we'll be back in November thanks very much Thanks for listening to this edition of the Irish Legislation Podcast with me, Barry Ward. You can get me on Twitter at Barry M. Ward. Don't forget to subscribe and you won't miss any of the episodes as they come up on a weekly basis while the Oireachtas is sitting.